Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. Listen each week for updated content and be sure to share with your friends. We hope this podcast is a blessing and a resource to you as you pursue God daily. Somebody say, welcome to the party. Uh, I love it. I love it. We have been in a series called Seeds, talking about planting your life in the things that matter the most. And, and I pray this has been a helpful series to you, that God has taken this word in these moments and deposited some things in your soul, in your spirit. Uh, maybe it's something that you're going to need six months from now or a year from now. But how many of you know God knows what you need even before you ask? And even before the problem came, God provides the solution. And so this series called Seeds, I think it's been so helpful. We've talked about the priority of the seeds. We've talked about the purpose of the seeds. Last week, Johnny Baby Blue Eyes. Come on, how many appreciate Baby Blue Eyes in the house? He talked about being patient in the process. And uh, so today I want to talk to you about the party. The party, or as we say in my house, the party. Come on, the party. Welcome to the party. You know, there's seed, then there's time, and then there's harvest. Come on, nod your head if you've heard that before. You, you, you plant a seed, it starts with something small and insignificant, but then you got to give it a little time. But eventually, after time, something grows from it. There's a a harvest, and the harvest is all about joy. When I think about harvest, I think about life transformation. You know, in the terms of the kingdom, the harvest is about life change. How many of you remember your life before you came to know Christ? We call that the BC days, the before Christ day. How many had some BC days? When you was building your testimony. Come on, somebody. Yes, Lord. You remember how you used to think how you used to talk, how you used to act, the places you used to go. Come on, hum at me. Mm -hmm. All of that was B.C. And then you met Christ. How many of you are thankful for the gift of Jesus? See, the Bible calls Jesus the seed. Something happens when this seed gets planted into your heart. It changes everything. It changes the way you think. Come on, I'm preaching already. It changes the way you talk. It changes what you love to do and the places you go. It just transforms everything about you. You see, the harvest, and on this 320 Sunday, and I love it, of all the Sundays throughout the year, this is perhaps one of my favorite as we celebrate. 320 is all about Ephesians 320. God's able to do exceedingly abundantly above. Come on, how many of you know we don't serve a small God? We serve a big God that does big things. You know, the harvest is about life transformation. And I love seeing people change. Who I am today is not who I was last year. But guess what? It's not who I'm going to be a year from now. Come on, we're getting better. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're getting better. Tell them, you're looking better. Lean in and say, you're smelling better. You see, in God, everything gets better. I love it. Life transformation. The harvest is about life transformation. I have people tell me this all the time. Say, Pastor, you changed my life. And you know what? That's not true. I can't change anybody's life. It's not me who changes anyone. You know what I do? I just plant some seeds. Come on. You are planting seeds. How many of you know you can't change people? How many of you work with people that need to change? 
Mm-hmm. How many of you live with people that need to change? Don't be pointing up in here now. How many of you are married to, no, I'm just teasing. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. Rachel raised her hand. Baby, I'm going to rebuke you in church. How many know you can't change your spouse? You can't change anybody, but what you can do is plant a seed, and that seed becomes a supernatural deposit that says, okay, God's like, now I can get to work. Uh, That's why acts of service are seeds. Kind words are seeds. Your dollars and your resources are seeds. And when you plant those things in the right soil, God begins to do what only he can do. Are you with me? Maybe some of you noticed on this stage, look at all these bikes. How many of you noticed these bikes? Oh, I love it. They, man, I love these little sparkly streamers here. Man, these, these, the, the, the pink, the hot pink pedals and the rims. And man, you got some bigger bikes in the back. I can just imagine all the kids that are going to receive a bike. You know what this is? Johnny told us last week, it's a seed. And I, in my mind, I'm thinking about the joy of these kids as they receive these bikes this Christmas. You know what you're doing? You're planting a seed inside the heart of a child and a family you may never meet here on earth. These are seeds that are going to Lake Charles and DeRitter. I think about families who've lost everything. I think about parents who struggle to provide Christmas for their children. But because of your generosity, a seed is going to be planted this month. And the joy that the kids are going to receive, but then the hope that mom and dad are going to experience. Come on. How many of you know it's sending a message that says, God has not forgotten you. And that's what you do so well as a church. When you're planting a seed, it's like sending a message to the community that says, God still sees you. Aren't you glad God sees you in your pain, in your difficulty, in even your seasons of loneliness and isolation? God sees us. You know, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6, I love this verse. Scripture tells us, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds, come on, somebody say a few, The farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously, somebody say generously. The farmer who plants many seeds will gather a generous crop. This is such a great verse. And I I believe it speaks to the faith element inside of you and the spirit of faith that this church walks in. I believe God can do anything. And so we're not just scattering a few seeds, but we're spreading seed all over the globe. You know what? You as a church have put so many good seeds into the ground, you can't help but expect a harvest. That was a good place to say amen. Y'all are quiet up in here. For this to be the party, come on, we're talking about a party. Somebody say partay. You can't be silent at the party. Come on now. This is not a funeral service where we revere someone who's passed away. Jesus is alive. And if Jesus is alive, then there ought to be something we get excited about. You put so many good seeds into the ground, you can't but expect a harvest. And I love it. You know, the Bible talks about in the Old Testament, did you know that God's into parties? Did you know that? Did you know that God is the ultimate party animal? 
She's like, oh, pastor, I don't know if that's theologically correct. That felt a little weird to say in church. Some of us have this image of God as like he's seated upon this throne and he's looking down with a scowl on his face just waiting for you to mess up. And he says, the minute you get off course, lightning bolts. You know what? God is the happiest being in the entire universe. Did you know your Bible in the Old Testament, it shows where God prescribed eight different festivals. Luke 23, you can read the majority of them. Eight different, you know what a festival was? It was a party. He told the children of Israel, here's what I want you to do. You got to take time off from work. Come on, how many feel the Holy Ghost with that right there? Yes, Lord, I need a vacation. You see, sometimes we think that endless work pleases God. It doesn't. He tells the nation of Israel, I want you to no longer do the work you've currently been doing on these eight festivals. They're holy days. It's where we get the word holidays. Come on, are you with me? This is scriptural. Holiday isn't something man-made. God prescribed it. He says, these holy days, I want you to discontinue any labor. Whatever your work is, stop. I want you to gather with your family and friends. Come on, somebody. Gather with your family and friends, and I want you to prepare some food. I want you to eat good food. Hum at me today. Mm -hmm. I like where this is going. Take some time off from work. Gather with your family and friends. Eat some good food. I want you to sing. I want you to dance. Come on, come on. You think I'm making this up. Read your Bible. He says, fellowship, gather, eat, sing, dance, celebrate. How many know God's part caging? <laughs> I think there's a little slice inside of God that he just dropped here in South Louisiana because he wanted to show the world what he's all about. Well, one of the feasts, and I want to talk to you about that today, is called the Feast of Harvest. That's one of the festivals in the Old Testament. In fact, the Hebrew name is the, the name Sukkot, which literally means tent or dwelling or shelter. And what it would, they would do, they would stay in this shelter, this little man-made dwelling for seven days commemorating their time in the wilderness when God took care of them in the wilderness. I want to tell you, God's taking, some of you are in a wilderness season right now, and God's telling you, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to feed you. I'm going to clothe you. And this harvest festival, it commemorated the faithfulness of God as they journeyed for 40 years in the wilderness. Celebrating is a big part of who God is. And it's a mandate of what he requires from us, his people. Can somebody say amen? I love it. Luke 15, I want to spend most of my time in Luke chapter 15. And this is a very familiar chapter as we talk about the party because we're going to understand and learn what heaven celebrates. Now, Luke 15 is often called the lost chapter. Jesus tells three parables, three stories, back to back to back. It's the story of the lost sheep, the story of the lost coin, and finally, the story of the lost son. And you'll see there's parallelism in these stories. I don't have time to read all of the verses to you, but I'll tell you the story and then kind of pick out a few verses. The scripture tells us in Luke chapter 15, starting with verse 6, this is the story of the lost sheep, that a man had 100 sheep. 
one of the sheep wandered away. And so the shepherd left the 99 to go after the one. Aren't you thankful that the God who loves you will track you down when you wander away? Think about the great sacrifice that a shepherd would make, leaving the 99 to go after the one. The Bible says when the shepherd finds the sheep, verse 6, when he arrives, he'll call together his friends and neighbors, and this is what he'll say, rejoice with me. Come on, somebody. Modern translation, hey, it's time to have a party. We're going to celebrate. Rejoice with me because I have found my lost Sheep. Now, notice what's going to happen here. Lost sheep, lost coin, lost son. Jesus is telling three stories back to back to back, and you'll see a pattern. Something of value is lost. After searching diligently, it's recovered. And then on the other side of that recovery, there's going to be a party. The, the, the shepherd would say, rejoice with me. I found my lost sheep. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. Notice what the scripture tells us. There's a party in heaven when a sinner comes home. When someone was lost and they become found, all of heaven rejoices. That's the, the story of the lost sheep. Immediately, Jesus tells this next story. It's the story of a lost coin. This woman has 10 silver coins, and she loses one. And then Tears the house upside down trying to find it. How many of you have ever lost something valuable to you and you searched and you searched and you searched and you were desperate to find it? Anybody ever lost their car keys and thought, man, I'm stuck like Chuck until I find these keys? How many ever lost? My mother-in-law, one time she was talking on her cell phone to her son, my brother-in-law, and she said, Clint, hold, hold on one second. I have lost my phone and I can't find it. He said, Mama, the phone is on your ear. You're talking to me. How many have ever lost something that was right under your nose and you didn't even know it? This woman has 10 coins. She loses one. After sweeping the house, the Bible says, verse 9, when she finds it, she'll call in her friends and neighbors and she'll tell them, rejoice with me. Somebody say, partay. Here we go again. Another party. Rejoice with me because I have found my lost coin. In the same way, there is joy in the presence of God, God's angels when even one sinner repents. Jesus finishes this trilogy of stories by talking about the lost son. A man has two sons, and you know the story of the prodigal. It's very, very familiar. The Bible says when this son makes his journey home, the father does something. Look at what it says, verse 22. But his father said to the servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house. Put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. Oh, yeah, yeah. Let's kill the calf we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He once was lost, but now he's found. So the Bible says, the partay began. Can I have an amen for the reading of the word? This is so good. Now, now notice the parallelism here. Notice what Jesus is trying to reinforce when he tell these three, he's telling these three stories back to back to back. And if you're taking notes, I want to give you three simple thoughts. And the first is this. Number one, heaven is a party. 
Heaven is a place of rejoicing. Now, we throw parties for all different kinds of occasions. We throw birthday parties. How many of you have stopped having birthday parties for yourself? Yeah, I quit having birthdays about five years ago. But I'm celebrating my kids. Come on. Celebrate, some of you celebrate your grandkids. You go all out for a party. We have birthday parties. We have gender reveal parties. We have tailgate parties. How many remembers tailgate parties? <laughs> we hadn't had one of those in a while. How many watched that game last night? Whew, there was no party. It was kind of like weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth, wasn't it? Man, we, hey, on the bayou, we have parties for everything. A hurricane's coming. Let's have a party. Come on, somebody. We're going to find any reason we can to throw a party. Jesus tells three parables. He talks about three parties, and it was for one purpose. It was to celebrate lost sons and daughters coming home. Can I have a good amen? Oh, this is so important. As believers, you and I get to be a part of the party planning committee. If heaven's throwing a party, what do you think God wants us to do down here on earth? Come on, are you guys into this? Could you inform your face that you're into this, please? Man, I'm feeling lonely and isolated up here on this big old stage. Oh, man. This house ought to be a house that celebrates. What do you think we did during worship as people were getting baptized? I mean, across all of our campuses, we will have dozens and dozens of people make a public profession of their faith. Now, 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 that deserves and demands that you and I rejoice. Now, listen, I don't know what was happening in the world the day you gave your life to Christ. I know there may be some of us here who have yet to make that decision. Most of us here probably already have. I don't know if you were by yourself uh, reading the Bible. Maybe you were in a small group and someone prayed for you. Maybe you were in church or the pastor or an evangelist gave an opportunity for you to come forward. Maybe you came forward and you bowed your knee and you gave your life to Christ. I don't know what was happening on earth the day that you got saved, but I know what was happening up in heaven. I know what the angels were doing. I know what Jesus was doing. I know how God looked over in such approval. You know what happened in heaven the day that you got saved? Dun, 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 dun. Ha-hoo! There's a party going on right here. Well, maybe they weren't singing that song. I'm not sure. But there was joy. Come on, talk to me. There was happiness there were, all of heaven looked down and rejoiced over the decision that you made to say yes to Christ. And if, hell of, if heaven celebrates, then you and I as believers should celebrate here on earth. Uh, think about it. The prodigal went from the pig pen to the party. How did he make it to the party? You remember when he was in the pig pen? Remember what he said? The Bible says he came to himself. Wait a second. I remember something. I remember I had it better back at dad's house. What was he doing? He was remembering, listen, the seed that his dad had planted in him. You see, there was a seed. Now, parents, I want to tell you this. You can't control everything your children do. There was a day when his son came to him and said, dad, give me my inheritance now. When does a son get his inheritance? Somebody's got to die. What was he telling his dad? Dad, you were as good as dead to me. Some of you know the heartbreak of having kids that go off and stray. 
And this dad gave his boy the inheritance, believing, Lord, I'm trusting that the, the, the things I've put into him, Lord, there's coming a time, there's coming a day, the seed that I've planted, it's going to bear fruit. The scripture says that there was a pig pen, this boy. He ran as far away as he could from his dad. You know where he ended up? Vegas. Spent all of his money on parties and wild women and just living the life. Scripture says that he lost it all. And you know what's interesting to me? Sometimes you have to lose everything before you appreciate anything. Come on, nod your head if you know what that's about. And there in his worst moments, he's there slopping pigs. The ultimate of humiliations for a Jewish boy. And he remembers the house. A seed that was planted in him. And so he makes his way back to his dad. And his dad's standing there on the front porch, believing and trusting. Could it be? That's my son. Notice what the father did. Notice the party that was about to happen. When he sees his son, he's hugging him. He's kissing him. He's loving him. Come on. How many of you know your kids will never be too big for you to love, hug, and kiss? And he tells his servants, he tells his staff, listen, you go get that robe. Go get the robe and put it on him. What does the robe represent? The robe represents prosperity. You know what God will do? He'll do, he'll restore your prosperity. He'll bring abundance back into your life. Everything that the enemy has stolen, God wants to give it back to you. He says, you know what else? Get that ring. What does the ring represent? Authority. God not only restores prosperity, he'll bring authority back to you. Confidence, boldness. Oh, yeah, yeah, bring the sandals too. Bring the, my favorite shoes from my closet. Put them on his feet. What do shoes represent? Direction. You see what God wants to restore? Prosperity, authority, direction. You know what else he said? And kill the fatted calf. What does that calf represent? Joy. He says, we're going to throw a party. Come on, somebody say party. And there's going to be food, and it ain't going to be salad. <laughs> now, listen, if you're a vegetarian, God bless you. I love you in the name of Jesus. But if you're throwing a party, do not invite me to that party. I want to go to a party where something's on the grill. Come on, talk to me. Come on, kill the fatted calf, the beef. Even God loves meat. Heaven is a party. and Watch this. We must celebrate what heaven celebrates. If, I want you to see this, if we align our priorities with heaven's priorities, then heaven's resources become ours. When you prioritize what's important to heaven, God says, I'm going to give you what you need to accomplish that. That's why I'm so confident as a church because when we celebrate the lost, everything we do here at HPC, it's for those who are not yet here. It's for your lost sons and daughters and neighbors and co-workers. I mean, you have the light of Jesus inside of you, and we want to do everything we can to equip you to shine your light in areas that are needed most. And that's why we continue to make adjustments, and we get creative, and we, we sacrifice things, and we do outreaches, and we build buildings, and we buy property, and we throw parties, and, you know, foster care kids, and adoption, and single moms, and all these bicycles, and hams for fans. Everything is to bring the lost home. We got to celebrate. You see, the problem with the church is not that we're too happy for God. It's that we're not happy enough. I think that joylessness is one, of the most, is one of the most tolerated sins of the church. 
joylessness. You know why joy is so important? Because joy will help you get through some things. When you have a party happening in here, it doesn't necessarily mean that everything is good out there, but when you have joy on the inside, it helps you to get through the hardest things in life. You got to set some joy in front of you. Jesus did that in Hebrews 12. The Bible says this, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. How did Jesus endure the cross? He set some joy in front of him. What was the joy of Jesus? It was you. It was your family. It was your heart in his kingdom. He was able to make it through the cross because he looked past it to the joy that's on the other side. Heaven is a party, bless God. You know, this past week on Thursday, um, my son asked me, he said, Dad, what day is today? And I said, well, today's December 3rd. And when I said that date, I'm like, wait a second, that, that's familiar. Why is that date important? How many of you, you forget the things you're supposed to remember? And you remember the things you're supposed to forget? December 3rd, what's the deal with December 3rd? And then it hit me, oh, wow, 23 years ago on December 3rd, I was involved in a near fatal car accident. And I was driving down Highland Road, and it was about 9 o'clock in the morning. I was coming to church, coming to the office, and, and a, a, a dump truck pulled out in front of me. I was driving a 1988 Dodge Omni, a little two-tone gray hatchback. Handles were broken. I had to leave the windows down and kind of slide through, did the Dukes of Hazard just to get in. Remember that? And so, man, I was driving this little Omni, and this tr truck pulls right out in front of me, and I, I slid right up under that, that truck, and I don't remember anything. I don't remember anything about the accident. I don't remember anything about that day. And, and uh, you know, Rachel said that when the police had covered the scene, they marked me as dead. I wasn't supposed to make it. And, and I remember coming, in fact, a piece of pipe from that truck came through my windshield, hit me right between the eyes, and it fractured my cheekbones and put a big old dent in my forehead and ripped my nose completely off my face. And as I was going to the hospital, coming in and out of consciousness, I just began to pray. And I, I said, Lord, and two things I asked God for. I didn't know what was wrong. I knew something was seriously wrong. I said, God, I want, don't, please don't take me just yet. I want to look into the eyes of my child. Uh, Rachel was too much pregnant with our firstborn at the time. Lord, don't take me just yet. I'm about to become a dad. I want to see my baby. And the second thing I prayed is, Lord, don't take me just yet. There's so much more I want to do for you on this earth. And do you know that day, 23 years ago, December 3rd, 1997, to this day, every single day, I've just been grateful for the opportunity of life. A new lease on life. Some of you have gotten second chances in your life. Lord, help me to live it to the fullest. Can I have a good amen? Heaven is a party. But I want you to know this. Number two, don't miss the party. Don't miss it. Do you know you can miss the party how many of you have ever been scrolling through social media and realized that a party happened and you didn't even get invited to it <laughs> oh I'm preaching where we live now oh yes sir you thought you were friends you thought you were close and connected and they had this party without you and you weren't even invited hmm. well can I tell you this you're invited to God's party you are welcome. God's saying, I'm throwing a party, and I don't want you to miss it. Now, the thing with the, the prodigal son, I wish the story would have stopped when the son came home. But there was a party pooper. Come on now. And he's the older brother. Look at what the older brother says, verse 28. The older brother was angry. 
He wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him. But he replied, you know, Dad, all these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to. And in all that time, you never even gave me one young goat for a feast with my friends. And yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering all your money on prostitutes, look at what you do. You celebrate by killing the fatted calf. Come on, now how do you know this dad's in a spot? The dad had two sons. The younger son was sad. The older son was mad. And neither one of them knew the father's heart. Do you know you can be in the father's house and still not know the father's heart? Oh, that's the biggest tragedy. And here's my warning to all of us. Because my fear is there could be a little bit of that older brother in each one of us. What was it that kept the older brother from the party? He had this religious spirit. He was just like, Dad, after all that I've done, look at all that I've done. Can I tell you this? You cannot earn your way into heaven. Come on. Do you know that you're a son by birth? and not by worth. Some of you are, listen, when you're born again, boom, you're into the family. It's not what you do, it's what Jesus has already done. And a religious spirit just can't celebrate anything. A religious spirit will be like, I can't believe, look, dad, after all I've done for you, you've never even thrown a pizza party for me and my friends. Come on, now, how many of you know that religious people have a hard time celebrating? Oh, religious spirit will cause you to miss the party. Why is there a common notion that being spiritual means you can't have any fun? That's not what my Bible says. Jesus celebrates, and he requires his people to do the same. Listen, I know the world has its kind of party, but they don't celebrate like we do. We have more reason to celebrate than any other people on the planet. Can I have a good amen? And God forbid we get all excited about worldly things when Jesus said, I've given you a gift that's so much better, it's not even of this world. Are you catching this today? Don't miss the party. Don't allow a religious spirit to cause you to miss the party. A kingdom spirit will always celebrate others. A kingdom spirit looks to... Do everything you can to celebrate everything you can. This older brother just couldn't, wouldn't even go into the house. He was entitled. He was religious. He was judgmental. But look at what the father says in verse 32. The father comes and tells him, son, we had to celebrate this happy day. Somebody say happy day. Oh, happy day. Bump. Bum, bum, oh, happy day when Jesus, boom, 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 when Jesus, come on, y'all, y'all not feeling me today. What? I'm going to sing myself happy right up in this house. He says, we had to celebrate this happy day. Your brother was dead, and now he's come back to life. He was lost, but now he's found. Can I give you this final thought? And I want to encourage you, happy days are ahead of you. There are happy days in front of you. Notice how the Bible connects happiness to the harvest. 
When people say yes to the Lord, man, we're busy populating heaven and plundering hell. When a lost sinner repents and comes home, when he leaves the pig pen, man, we have to throw the party. There's a happiness ahead of us, and it's connected to the harvest. And I believe that this church has made a commitment through your generosity and through your sacrifice, you have planted some good seed in the soil of Baton Rouge, good seed in the soil of Denham Springs, good seed down in Ascension Parish. There's a harvest of souls. Come on, are you with me today? There's a harvest that we better be happy about, not just here, but all over the world. Mozambique, Swaziland, Spain, Honduras, you have a footprint reaching into so many different parts of the globe. The Father says, it's a happy day. We have to celebrate. You know, a couple of weeks ago, many of you were a part of volunteering in this Hams for Fams outreach that we did here in our community. We did it in Ascension, did it in Livingston, did it here in Baton Rouge. And it's one of our favorite outreaches of the year. And you're giving. In just a moment, uh, we're going to participate. We're going to sow seed into our future. But your giving has helped to create moments like this. And, and you gave hundreds of hams and Thanksgiving meals to people who are in desperate need. And we received a call. And I don't normally do this, but we received a call this week, this past week, and it was a voicemail from a lady who received a ham. She was a grandmother. She wasn't there when we dropped the, the food off. But we gave it to her grandson. And then we prayed over their family. And she was just so thankful that she called the church and she left this message. And it's a message that I wanted to make sure you got. This is her gratitude to you. I want you to turn your attention to the screen and listen to what she says and what she does in expressing her thanks. Hello, I just want to say this is Jeffrey Bell, grandmother, and I just want to thank y'all for the gift y'all brought to my front door. And I, I just want to sing this song that God gave to me to sing to you all because I was so proud. And I thank you, and I'm going to sing this song. It's not going to be long, but it's going to be for my heart and what God gives me to sing. Love it. Close your eyes. God will love you no matter, no matter how. You are so good. So good. God, I thank you. God, I thank you. For sending the guardian angel to my door. For sending guardian Thank angels you again to my door. From the bottom of my heart, I love you so. And all I just want to say, thank God for you. Just close your eyes and all the day that he provides, he's going to keep on blessing you. Keep on blessing. Wherever you go, I thank you so good. From the bottom of my heart, I thank you so much, and I love you. Bye-bye. <laughs> Hey, how fun is that? 
How about that? Now listen, we're not, we're not doing any auditions for the next American Idol. <laughs> but I wanted you to hear the joy that was created. Listen, your seed has produced a song. There was a song inside of her just waiting to be released. But somebody had to sow a seed. Come on. You know, the Bible says, I want you to listen to this. The Bible says those who plant in tears will harvest with shouts of joy. They weep as they go to plant their seed, but they sing as they return with the harvest. Listen to me. The harvest is ripe. And as a church, when we give, man, we, we become a part of the song of heaven. You receive that today. Thank you for listening. Take a moment and subscribe so you can become a part of the community here and stay up to date with what is happening at Healing Place Church. For more information about HPC, visit HealingPlaceChurch.org.